0: I can just picture a a room full of bureaucrats sitting around and one of them's got a book and he's going flick 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 under E he goes hey look at this guys under E there's elbow if you go back here to A (laughs) arse there is a difference it's two different things With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are proud supporters of this. This is Good Brews Week, and live from our Singapore studios, it's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete Mitchum. How are you? I'm very well, thank you for asking. Um, how it's? I'm guessing it's a bit hot and sweaty over there where you are.
1: Well, I'm sitting in an air-conditioned hotel room at uh, quarter past six in the morning, uh, so I can come to you uh well, not live, but, you know you, you know, you know what I mean? And uh, But yesterday when I was out and about, yes, it was pretty steamy. It was good beer drinking weather, I have to say.
0: I did see that you'd um, not only had you found a couple of nice little drinking spots that were uh, a little bit hidden, and I saw um, a loyal listener of the program, Michael Morgan from Beer Farm, uh, saw that you had found some of his beers in a, a very unexpected place in Singapore. Uh,
1: yeah, well, uh, Michael's now uh, with uh remind me didn't i didn't I just say beer farm no but he's uh, he's not with beer farm i don't think oh okay no but there were there, there was a uh, beer farm i uh, well, sure i'll correct
0: us. Huh?
1: yeah so he, he will shoot us an email I'm, and I'm sorry michael i can't remember the name of the brewery because they're not available on my side of the uh the, the the country um but anyway uh yeah so just a little hawkers in in chinatown a little hawkers stall um that had uh 16 taps um of, of of craft beer, including a couple from uh, Australia. They had beers from Belgium. They had beers from the states. Um, I had a lovely Hitecino lager. Um, and it actually, Prof, that, that's one of the things that I I, I found. I, I, you come all of this way, and then you could be sitting in Brewski in Brisbane. Very different aesthetic, obviously. Um, but yeah, it it, 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 was, it was just that moment that was a little bit disconcerting. Um, being there and having those beers. Uh, fortunately, they, they've now opened a, a um, second store, and you can buy uh, purely local beers. And so that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a nice little experience.
0: Yeah, and it's, it does bring into sharp focus that when you're in places like that, that um, pretty much import everything. You know, when you go to whether it's you know Vanuatu, Fiji, um, New Caledonia, and, and Singapore, I guess is a great example. You, you you get to, I guess, they get to cherry pick uh, and choose. Uh, beers in particular from all over the place, but it wasn't just beers and um, little tap rooms that you found. You uh, also managed to, you know, travel 2,000, kilometres to find somebody that you could, uh, you know, bump into on in the street in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: so not well, um, yeah, not quite, but uh, there, there does seem to be quite the tribe of people who have stopped off in Singapore on their way to Bangkok uh, for, for Seabrew. Um So yeah, I, I caught up with, well, Steve Finney from WA and there's someone on my flight from from Brisbane. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a big world, uh, but it's a
0: small world. That's it. Have you had that experience yet where you're in a place and you hear, you um, Familiar accents, and you go, Oh, yeah, bloody Aussies, and you'll go, and you go Oh, <laughs> I know them.
1: <laughs> no, I, well, actually, I did, yeah, because I ran into the uh, crew from Kegstar. Um, Fran and Andrew were from Kickstart and of course it was in Little Creatures so it was a Little Creatures bar so yeah no, it's a, I, I'm taking that little bit of Australia with me as I travel
0: uh, So you're just uh, for the listeners benefit you're in Singapore as a, as a stopover on the way to so Seabrew SEA which is what Southeast Asian Brewing Conference Brewing
1: Conference, yeah which is just an up and coming like a developing uh, conference Yeah, you know, we, we're seeing them all around the world but it's, uh, it, it's something that hasn't had too much chat um, about back in Brisbane um, or back in australia so i thought it was probably time that Bruce news being the industry uh yeah radio the, the thought, thought leader thought where well, your words isn't that right. what the cool kids say now
0: that, that is what the cool kids say and, we have, uh, we, have, we, have K, we have kpis don't we we do we and
1: uh, we've got a ux coordinator um that's a user experience coordinator pete
0: just so you know Oh okay um, no thank you for that because I, <laughs> I would not have guessed that um, who is that by the way is that you or me is that uh, something i'm supposed to be doing
1: <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing pete
0: uh, excellent
1: but uh yeah no and so just so it was time to check it out because you know there have been some discussions i've had a couple of people um in the in in the industry you know message me when they saw that I was going to sort of say let us know what you think about it we've been approached um we're not quite sure um yet about it so yeah it's going to be very very interesting and the one of the most interesting things for me is craft brewing is technically
0: illegal in uh thailand um and i can't remember but conferences about illegal activities or not
1: well no because you can brew and there are breweries there but you can't brew and wholesale uh at the same time i believe and then you also can't brew under a million liters a year um and unless you've got a certain amount of money in the bank and you need a permit so it basically would stop any small little craft brewer but it it's taking off and i understand that you know getting the occasional fine is just a cost of doing business so when you're complaining about your excise um, or your fire levy in australia re- remember that
0: well there you go and uh, of course you and i'll be catching up um i fly out tomorrow you do uh, which so which when why this pops rec- i would have flown out yesterday but then also arrived yesterday. <laughs> yeah. By the time listeners are here, this is the inception, isn't it? Well it's just like the story within the story within the story. We've gone through the looking
1: glass, yes. So uh, That's we're it. recording this Wednesday morning, so you can hop a flight to Portland and uh, we'll meet up there on Saturday. Um, so the day after this goes live.
0: Yeah, beautifully done. Looking forward to it. Um, in the meantime, there has been... A little bit of news, so uh, let's get into it, shall we? Um, making news this week, Matt, on Australian brews news. Uh, pressure forces government back down over fire levy. Might throw this one to you because you were fairly active in this one, um, bringing it to everyone's attention. And then we uh, we gave it a bit of a run. Not a few if you expect to the
1: minister's office. Apparently, the career mail broke this one, Pete.
0: So oh, did they now? Yes. Yeah. No. It's so. So, where's the where where has the lobbying from? Where has the lobbying come? Okay, craft brewers. Craft brewers have very effectively and very
1: actively lobbied their local members who in turn have lobbied the uh, um, relevant ministers. Just just for people who um, maybe didn't get the original story, in Queensland, every household and business has a fire levy um, to cover emergency services. It's not a tax because it's a levy. Um, But then depending on your business, there are different levels of uh, fire levy um, and brewers had, and, and, but it's administered by the councils, so it doesn't look like it's a government tax.
0: Typical. <laughs> um, and you know, it also doesn't take. go towards firefighting at all. It goes it goes into general revenue the same as all other taxes do. I and believe they...
1: this one actually doesn't, Pete. I think. I, I oh, really? really don't, don't quite be on it, but I think that's why they call it levy and it's, yeah, anyway, but the whole other point. Um, but local councils had been putting breweries, you know, classifying breweries, because there was only one classification for a brewery. And it was, um, you paid $95,000 a year uh, for your fire levy, um, which is, of course, a ridiculous amount of money for small breweries. That's so local councils had just been basically levying, levying these small little tap rooms and, and breweries um, at, a, I think, about $550 a year, um there was an audit done and a lot of the breweries a, a lot of the breweries were operating under what are hotel licenses in Queensland and if you have a hotel license you are levied at a tavern rate which is $7,000 a year um or $5,000 a year so it was a you know 1000% jump um for for those venues and they just put them all on that on that rate and then created a small brewery uh rate um there was no financial modelling done. There was no look at, you know, the relevant risk factors or the annual turnovers or anything like that. And when
0: you look yeah, at... But but more importantly, mate, was it no consultation?
1: There was absolutely no consultation. And um, it, it was just done. It was done at the last minute. And the, the government, beautiful piece of government spin. The governments have said, yes, it's $5,000. And that represents a $90,000 saving to craft breweries.
0: And you're know, going, <laughs> What? Well, there was not a, only not a four and a half thousand dollar increase on on what they yeah, have been yeah, yeah, fairly yeah. paying.
1: So, so the the logic was our flawed legislation um, was wrong, and because we've changed <laughs> it, we're saving you money.
0: Um, you should be you, thankful we're not you, charging you ninety five thousand. Why not make <laughs> it a contingent contingent dollars? <laughs> that was the line. Um, but
1: anyway, so the, there's been active um, campaigning. Um, by, um, you know, lobbying local members. And this is the uh, very uh, great power that craft breweries have because they represent such a wide area. You know, that they're so spread out across many electorates in, in Queensland and most states that there are a lot of local members, all of whom want to have their photo opportunity down at their trendy local brewery. Um, and they've marshaled them to, marshal, to to get onto the ministers. And they, they've had a win of sorts. Um, There's still... Uh, Number of levy categories, um, but it, 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 it's the only people who are paying the five thousand dollars are those that have a um, tavern license um, or a hotel license, which puts them in that higher category. And uh, you know they're, they're regarded as taverns. And you could get me started on why is a hotel levied at a much higher rate than a petrol storage facility that to my way of thinking, has a slightly higher risk of going boom than uh, a tavern. But um, governments see alcohol as a cash cow. They make alcohol very expensive to sell. Of course, when you sell alcohol to cover the taxes and government imposts, you have to sell more alcohol. Seems an odd way to cure the uh, binge drinking problem. But anyway, that's just me.
0: Yeah, but the end of it is that the the government's now been forced to introduce new classifications which are, are more appropriate.
1: Getting to, uh, it, yes. to
0: craft brewers, so it's yes. so it's we're we looking at they're bringing it back to where it was for most of the brewers, or or somewhere in between. Uh, uh,
1: or we don't know that Twix, bit yet. Uh, yeah, we're we're still waiting to see exactly how it's going to play out. Of course, the government can't really tell. They made a big thing. Um, it, it was funny. The the first thing, even though the um, indie brewers had been consulted. Um, when I phoned uh, David kitchen who's the state representative um, the first he'd learned that the changes were going to go through were because the career mail contacted him and the career mail had been briefed because the government wanted to you know do the lap of honor um, when they announced it at the Indies as uh, at the Beeries, um, how fantastic they were and you know it, it's just one of those things. It's a little bit of government grandstanding um, for something that they completely messed up in the first place. I, I can just, um, I
0: can just picture, I can just picture a, a room full of bureaucrats sitting around, and one of them's got a book and he's going flick, flick, flick. flick under E, he goes, oh, "Look at this, guys. Under E, there's elbow. If you go back here to A, <laughs> ass, there is a difference. It's two different things."
1: But it is. But it, it, it's it's quite interesting that you know the government that made has had a very very expensive um, consulting uh, process undertaken to create their craft beer strategy. Um, and we're coming up to the first twelve months, and there just has been nothing concrete done under uh, under the strategy. Um, liquor licensing, which is the one thing that brewers really want, um, which wasn't even mentioned in the craft beer strategy um, until I chased the minister in the lead up to, to the announcement and they said, oh, it will include um, liquor licensing. Nothing's been done. And then the, the rest of the government departments don't even seem to really understand that there is a craft beer strategy and that maybe we should be consulting with the people who are liaising with the industry. So
0: anyway. Yeah, um, let's, let's move on to our next story. But before we do, I think it really highlights something that really pleases me is that Five years ago, if this had happened, there would have been uh, disparate um, and and disjointed approaches to, um, I guess, from the brewers. But you look now at the community that has been built, um, and thanks to things like the IBA, but to to the Beeries, uh, to the Indies, all those sorts of things that are just sort of, I guess, making it a lot easier for the brewers to communicate as as a single voice. Um, and very you know, much. You speak to any of the any of the politicians, and they say, "Bring bring me solutions, don't bring me problems." Um, It's much easier now to say, you know, have a a united voice coming from, um, you know, your constituents. And government doesn't want to consult with seventy odd brewers individually. That's right. so, oh, the yes. last bloke who came in told me a different story. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, speaking of bureaucracy, uh, brewers are urged to prepare for New South Wales Container Deposit Scheme deadline. So the uh, the New South Wales uh, CDS transition period is set to end. Um, I think in just over a couple of months, and uh, all brewers need to make sure that their cans are, and presumably bottles are registered with the New South Wales EPA. So um, this is the return and earn. Um, so there's a there's been like a transition period, the deadlines uh, now up, which I think is two years altogether.
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, it's, in in New South Wales, it's been a, a fairly long period.
0: Um, and, and it's fair to say, like we, we've you and I have responded to a few. Um, I, I guess just pointing out to to some people on on social media. Uh, Facebook pages and things like that, sort of complaining that the brewers aren't doing their bit because you, you know I'm putting your cans in the thing and I'm not getting any money back, but I've already paid the money. Absolutely, yeah.
1: And hey, well, speaking of which, there's an email this week. Um, so I'll jump quickly ahead because it's very apropos. It um, was that a bingo word?
0: Uh, possibly. Okay.
1: Um, email from Dan Pratt. Been listening to the show. Yada yada yada. Keep it up. Good work, etc. At present, all cans have. Now being been labelled with the 10 cent return, but there is an issue. The machines won't accept cans that have labels, stickers over the cans. From what I've heard, it is that the weight of the can increases or the scan reveals irregularities with the shape. To me, it's BS, but each time I try those cans, it keeps spitting out of the machine. Is is this true? Do other listeners have this issue? What will the craft beer sector do about this? The consumer pays for the levy, but now can't get that back. Um, And look,
0: there does seem to have been a lot of problems... Um, with it. It, it, just, just on that Matt, uh, it, just in terms of the, the brewers are paying, the brewers are paying the extra. Let's call it ten cents. Your beer hasn't gone from you know four dollars to four dollars ten cents. So I don't well, think consumers, brewers, consumers are
1: some some are potentially passing it on, and they will over time. So it it, it will be brewers can't afford to to, to take a two dollar forty hit plus the constant excise um, raise. So I, I think it's it, it, it is. Technically, a levy on consumers. Um, it's a deposit scheme, so you get your deposit back when you return your can.
0: Yeah. But but obviously um, flaws in the system. I didn't realise. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm unaware of, of problems with um, cans that have. And I, and I presume that Dan means the, the the sticker that like runs along the bottom of a can, rather than you know, dare I say it, a, a, a shrink wrap like a Rellings labels and stickers and packaging.
1: Uh, uh,
0: Type yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. But, well, but the yeah. actual but, one where it's like stickers. a an extra sticker around the bottom. So is that then changing the dimensions of the of the can? Because I know there's there's issues with Bent Spoke and and Colonial and others uh, edge brewing. I know as the, well with the, 360 the Ripley. 360 degree and, cans. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't realise there was a, an issue with um, with stickered cans.
1: Well, there shouldn't be, according to um, uh, now. Let me see the there's a link to the article. Um, all containers must be approved before they can be supplied in New South Wales, regardless of whether they are seasonal or limited releases. Because there was some question about whether brewers were registering their seasonal or limited releases. Um, and I understand that it, like it's quite an ordeal to register your... Um, Each individual
0: product. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: so anyway, it, it just seems to be a solution looking for a problem because... You don't see too many craft beer cans being left in parks and the gutters. Um, They they seem to go in recycling already. So, mate, and to to be honest, I don't take my cans back. I put them in the recycling, which is where I presume that they should go. That's
0: where all ours go. But as I say, you know, well, yeah, (laughs) whether or not not they end up in landfill was another... Another issue, completely. I, I, but yeah, I look. could
1: jump in my car and drive, make a special trip, a special one-off trip to the recycling centre. Yeah. How would your carbon footprint work and... out
0: on that one, Matt? Yeah, yeah. area zero emissions going with that one. Anyway. It's all a load of shite. Anyway, um, I've just got a call now. I've just got the representative of the EPA on the other line, Matt, who tells me that brewers can <laughs> use stickers on their containers to meet the refund marking requirement if they have not changed their labelling in time. However, stickers should not cover or obscure the barcode. Or the container may be rejected at a return point, so I think that's probably an issue. But I wouldn't think you you wouldn't cover your barcode because then you're not going to be able to sell the product in the first place if it doesn't have a barcode. Presumably, I suppose you could have a sticker on it the it, on the four pack or the six pack top. But I, I just, would have thought it each it individual gets complicated. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's uncomplicated, Matt, is um, the increase in sales of no and low alcohol beers. Um, of CUB's sales is uh, mid-strength, no, and low-alcohol beers. So Australia's taste in beer is changing, with non-alcoholic low- and mid-strength beers now accounting for around a quarter of all of Carlton United Brewery's sales. Carlton Zero is playing a role in helping drive the trend towards moderation. Since launching a year ago, it has sold more than 3.2 million litres in Australia. Carlton Zero dominates non-alcoholic beer sales in bottle shops, driving up sales in the category by 14 times. Wow. (laughs)
1: Well, but this is one of those media releases that I just sort of love um, because, like, we've talked about the shift to low alcohol. We, I think, last year ABI had a target of twenty percent low um, to to mid-alcohol beers internationally, and they cited Australia as a as a key driver for them.
0: Yeah,
1: when when Australia's been on the low alcohol trajectory as a result of drink driving laws and Um, tax excise has been pressuring brewers to um, cater to the market and also lower their tax burden for some. So to see this held up as being an achievement, um, didn't look into the study that they did. The CUB commissioned national online survey of a thousand people this month found no alcohol beer is most popular with people aged 18 to 34 Um, with almost half saying they would consider drinking no-alcohol beer as a social occasion. So those sorts of um, studies are generally pretty – they're not very robust, but it it, it does seem like an interesting figure. Um, Well,
0: particularly, Matt, when you consider the 25% used to be um, VB's sales in the market, so one in four – and it wasn't that long ago that one in four beers in Australia was was a VB. Um, Now it's a a, a mid-strength or a no-alcohol beer. uh, Forex Gold still
1: has – you know, d- despite plummeting sales of the brand, the category is still strong. Um, and it, it's still around 10% of the, the beer market. So you'd imagine that if you add Hahn Premium Light, um, Cascade Light,
0: uh, uh, Carlton Mid. Um, well, great nor- you know, all great of those. Northern Super Crisp is the big one, isn't it? That's the one that's. Uh, great, great Northern Super Crisp. Plus yeah, 44 yeah, million you know, in the last financial year. That's, yeah. that's absolutely booming.
1: Yeah, so 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 that's a big part of the, the the market, and then you know things like Great Northern and Carlton uh, Mid um, are big parts of CUB sales. So I, I the the one reason I ran this story is because it's a, it's one of the few times that brewers, um, big brewers particularly, put a number like a meaningful number around uh, production. Um, I remember they did it the first time they hit ten million with uh, Great Northern, um, ten million liters. And now to say 3.2 million litres in Australia, which incidentally is how much uh, the I think is how much the Yadda Brewery makes in um, two or three shifts. Yeah, Yeah. Oh no, a couple (laughs) couple of shifts. So yeah, so I think it was about 300. Oh no, ten shifts. So it's not an insignificant, um, you know, it's not an insignificant volume that that we're talking about, and uh, I. I also wanted to publish it because, you know, in three years' time when I asked them, so how is Carlton Zero going in litres? Oh, we don't give out that number. Well, sport, yes, you do sometimes. <laughs> you do
0: so. if, it's a, if, it's, if it's
1: a number that suits us. <laughs> when, when it suits you. it's it, your numbers. It uh, is absolutely what, <laughs> yeah, here, here's your numbers, folks. We dominate the uh, alcohol-free uh, business with 3.2 million litres
0: um, until we don't, and we don't want to talk about it. So, uh, uh, now, our last story before we move and dive into, uh, elbow deep into the mailbag, Um now, Matt, I don't know, you, you and I, we get to visit lots of different breweries. Um, have you ever visited Morty Alex's favourite brewery?
1: <laughs> Mate, I, yes, I have. I, I I have, Pete. It wasn't making beer at the time because it was the liquidation hearing <laughs> for Morty Alex's favourite brewery. Um, but it, it and, has found uh, new owners
0: and very, very worthy Owners, uh, I, I think this is this is a, a for me a real feel good story because I think it's it's a, there's just so many pieces that kind of fit um, really nicely together.
1: Yeah. Um. So anyone there was De Havilland Brewing and Morty Alec and Albatross Brewing uh, built just down the road from uh, our good friends at Pintani. Um. In in an industrial shed. Um. It went out of business quite spectacularly um, with a lot of rancor. Um,
0: it's fair, it's fair to say a... the
1: previous owner has pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or at least reports have reached us that people are upset. Allegedly. Some of the things he did. Allegedly, <laughs> yes. Um, but, I, yeah, there's been interesting phone calls out of the blue, people, because we, we've covered the, the demise, um, and there have been some phone calls out of the blue, people t- sort of telling stories about some of the shenanigans. Um, and even at the creditor's hearing, the owner had put up an offer of a deed of company arrangement, which basically means that I owe, and I'm just picking figures out of my head, I owe $2 million to my creditors. um, But if you wind up the company, it's worth nothing. So I'll offer you $80,000. They all get five cents on the dollar. um, And I'll continue running the business scot-free. And there was that sort of arrangement that was um, proposed by, by the owner and the landlord just refused to to come into it so it basically scuppered it um but there are new tenants um who are by all accounts decent people
0: Pete. mate the most if, if you look up decent in the dictionary <laughs> you will find a picture of, of scott and renee mckinnon um from wolf of the willows brewing so for uh, a few years now they went into a partnership with uh, Derek hales um at bad shepherd to be a, a, a co-tenant it was always a um an opportunity to to get both brands out onto the market that perhaps would have taken a lot longer had they had to you know source more finance or uh yeah. to, to do things differently you know, separately uh and i always thought at the time apart from the fact that, that derek and scott are just uh, good mates and re- and just genuinely great people um in a in a and, and i say that in a, a community of genuinely great people these guys stand out um it, it meant that they could both get their beers onto the market and get a you know get some traction uh scotty not only is he a a great historian of of beer but just a genius home brewer and always was was going to get into into the business um it was an opportunity for them to get a a site in cheltenham but the idea was that um uh, they would share the share facilities uh but with the aim for Wolf of the Willows to eventually find its own home. Uh, so Cheltenham, for those who don't know, Cheltenham to Morty Alec, you wouldn't want to walk it, but it's not a million mile away. So they're kind of uh, able to stay in their neighbourhood. Um, it's 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 a partially completed brewery. It's got the tap room there as well, so they get that. Um, dare we say, Matt, the consumer facing um, <laughs> yep. uh, marketing opportunity for for the brand. Um, but for them to, to to find their own home, it means they can now grow. Um, it leaves uh, Derek and the guys at um, at Bad Shepherd uh, with the extra capacity, uh, so things aren't going to change very much for, for both. But they've they've now got a, a, I guess an opportunity to blossom.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and very very exciting news. So uh, we we look forward to, to that that due course. And Scotty is one of you know uh, the Brood IPA is still one of my favourite of, of that style. Um, actually, Prof, uh, if I can sort of put this out there because I know that uh, Grant and Jazz Warren from uh, Motus yep. um, listen, maybe I could suggest one of the early beers that they do as a collaboration on former tenant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now
0: how would you go? Yeah, oh look, there are so. I tell you what, can I just throw that out to our listeners? Because seriously, you, you did so well with the um, <laughs> the the, uh, the recycled water beer marketing options um yeah if you can give scotty and renee uh yeah perhaps some some sort of oh, look i don't know Look, like, it's it, it, it's kind of like maybe midas touch has already been taken hasn't it by um sam calagione at um dogfish head yeah. but um yeah i don't know yeah there, there's got to be something there of you know touching poo and turning it into gold or um <laughs> in the same vein uh matt mailbag uh, and um, now, did we mention? Have we mentioned our sponsors? We, we probably should get them out of the way before we get to the mailbag. We kind of give uh, them like Rellings labels and stickers. Um, that was a nice little segue into into that one. Um, call Rellings on 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done that will be compliant with um, container deposit schemes. Absolutely, yeah. good people. Yeah, uh, last week, so we've we went through. Um, the the climate change protests and everything last year so uh, last week uh world's still spinning far as i can tell but uh unleashed software matt they come to mind when i think of sustainability uh unleashed inventory tracking and efficient purchasing and production helps breweries reduce waste and consequently produce fresher beer it's one of those
1: interesting things in you know with all of the uh, focus on sustainability last year you know we live in an inherently, or we work in an inherently inefficient um, industry in, in a lot of ways, Prof. Massively you know, inefficient. If you're going to be shipping um, fresh sneakers, cold shipped, um, you know, around the company or country or overseas, source, you know, beers being flown around for, for tap takeovers, it's not the best way to be doing things. And I guess the choice is we either don't consume um, or we become more mindful in, in, in the way that we consume. And when you've got uh, inventory management software like Unleash, it, it just makes what you do do much more efficient and it can just add to, you know, all of the other measures that you're taking uh, with your uh, environmental program in your brewery.
0: <laughs> Matt said do do
1: um-
0: <laughs> but here are our mailbag uh, All letter writers will receive a beautiful Bruise News bottle opener and they will also Go into the draw to win a mixed six pack Thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel Who sponsor our letter of the week And Matt, this week in the mailbag We've got last week's mail as well, well Did you? I think we, we did send off uh, A six pack, didn't we, last week So so we, we don't did. have to do we two did. this week But um, but we will jump right. on um, Don't forget too, you can join our Facebook group The Radio Bruise News Facebook group The code word is Soapbox soapbox, um, because again, uh, our listeners have not let us down, our contributors um, engaged and informed and um, uh, educated as they are, are giving us lots of uh, updates, lots of attention to lots of stories that we might not have to pick up. But also, it's just really great listening to different voices and different opinions, particularly when you look at um, across gender, across socioeconomic uh, and across age, particularly, because. You know, you and I, and um, happy birthday, Matt, for uh, for last week. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for the the, the big five. The big five O. I survived. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we've 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 had the opportunity, just from happenstance of birth, to have seen you know lots of different changes, and I think sometimes that perspective gives you a little bit more clarity or a, a, a different opinion. Or you know a different way of looking at things when you when you've seen how things have been and you, um, so it's 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 great to see the uh, the engagement that we've been getting. One of those uh, no, this was from email I think from Scott Turnbull. Hi guys, just listen to the latest episode of Bruise News where putting ice in beer was mentioned. Uh, my wife is Vietnamese, and in Vietnam, it is quite common to grab a can of room-temperature rice lager and pour it into a glass full of ice. Because most of the local beers are fairly light-bodied and quaffable, uh, it isn't as bad as it sounds. I've had many great memories of sharing beers with my friends and family in Vietnam that were served on ice, and it does suit the steamy tropical climate. Another example of the bintang effect.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Absolutely. It was um, sitting in Singapore yesterday, and, you know, like – I. I I felt like one of those – I was in one of those um, jungle movies because you're just sort of walking along just dripping with sweat. You've got the uh, sweat patch on your back. It's just not pretty. And I I can absolutely understand that. You know, like I I certainly didn't want a hot coffee. Um, And if if the beer styles are being brewed around, lend themselves to having ice in. That's I I think that's perfectly acceptable. As I said last week, I didn't
0: poo-poo. Exactly. And as Scott says, you'd be – if it's a full – you know – a small glass of beer, full of ice. The ice is really just going to change the temperature. It's not, you know, it's not going to be sitting in the cup long enough to, to dilute the beer. Yeah, is
1: it? And, and look, that, that's one of the things I love. Um, yeah, you know, as you're walking through all of the markets and things like that, you see all of the signs for Tiger and Singer and things, but they all come in the big bottles. And last night at this um, food stall, you see all of these guys sitting around. You, you you buy two or three bottles of beer in a bucket filled with ice. The ice is in the bucket, not in the beer. Um, and then you get a small glass. And you, you, it's an incredibly social way to to drink beer in a hot climate is in, you know, pouring cold beer into a small glass and drinking it cold.
0: Yeah, um, yeah very, very, very French. They do that in um, in Paris as well, I noticed. Uh, um, you order a Vansanc, which is French for 25, so a, a 25 centiliter yep. or 250, um, either a beer or a 250 glass. And um, rather than... It, the, the default being pints or pots or schooners, you know, the, the little one is actually, and I, I think uh, a Stanger as well in Köln, uh for the Kölsch, I think is either 200 or 250 mil as well. Very civilised way of drinking it. It, it. it it
1: Absolutely it is. And, you know, whilst we talked about it last week, I've got no problems with if you do want to put ice in your beer, do it. It's just not a Brisbane thing. Just got to stick up for my
0: my hood. (laughs) Um, He thinks he doth protest too much. Now, from James Davidson on the Facebook group, I know it's uh, hashtag or uh, inverted commas, just all fun and games for some, but I really believe the trend of craft beers lazily ripping off uh, IP, other people's IP, has jumped the shark. He says using someone else's IP have an original thought, brewers. Anyway, here's a fun Instagram account that highlights the overuse of pop culture and other IP infringement in craft beer, and it's um, at Intellectual <laughs> Uh and, and so, get on the Facebook. Was it? Did we share that on the uh, the Australian Brewers News Facebook page as well? Uh, I
1: can't remember. Anyway,
0: if you do Instagram, have a look. Uh, look it up because it was. Yeah, it had a lot. Um, and and. I know there's two schools of thought in this, Matt. I'm very much in the in the camp that we have enough that we can we can do stuff on our own. I think we can create our own pop culture within beer without having to, uh, I don't know about lazily rip off, but, yeah, there, there's certainly some, I think, that are picking the low-hanging fruit, shall we say.
1: Yeah, would, I mean, there are some breweries like Easty Boys that have always got, you know, a little bit of their pop culture reference um, in everything that they do, but they don't then design the can to look like a you know, Paul Kelly cover album, they'll name, you know, it'll be a tribute to one of his songs and things like that. Exactly.
0: and don't have an issue with that at all.
1: And it's, you know, there there is no hard and fast rule because a good homage or a, you know, sort of a good riff on a theme um, is great, but a lot of it is just lazy and poor design. And I I think we are starting to see a bit of um, pressure on, on brewers who are,
0: who are being lazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, we did get a five-star iTunes review, um, and congratulations to our listeners. We now have 100 ratings. I don't know if that means anything, or is now it just a nice round number? I, I just
1: threw one. It um, uh, may not have come up on yours yet, Prof, but there was one story from an anonymous correspondent, um, but it was an interesting one. Yesterday we posted a story about Pirate Life uh, moving to Perth to put in a brewery and bar, um, a thousand seat uh, across a couple of levels, Um, in in, in the centre of Perth and got this email um, from a correspondent. Uh, I'm sure you're across it, but I wanted to take some time to highlight this recent move from Pirate Life to Open a Brewery in Perth with local groups, sneakers and jeans and throw around some of the many questions that are running through my head. Personally, I'm on the fence about this. I love the Pirate Life team. They're a great example of not being able to taste the contract in the beer once the sale has gone through. Red Jack and MC have never hidden the fact they intended to sell out one day and in doing so have remained authentic and produced great beer. Um, the operator of sneakers and jeans is a great operator, and those who have worked for him have developed um, have ad- advanced in the industry he 's always been an active member of the bartending industry both in WA and nationally, as well as using his venues to encourage people back to Perth CBD when the numbers dwindled. However, I've never witnessed any kind of interest in the craft beer industry in any of his venues. Taps are always contracted to the big boys. um, Spirits as well with little or no activations with a beer focus and little or no engagement in the local thriving WA beer market. Now, that's not to say that his interest doesn't exist. However, is this a way for him to jump on the craft beer bandwagon with low risk because he has the backing of CUB? Um, it, It goes on a little bit more, but I thought there was... It was it was an interesting question, um, and it's it, it sort of looking at you know why are they doing this? And and, and the answer is um, yes to, to, to both of those. Um, it's good for pirate life, and it, it's good for, for the venue. Um, he obviously doesn't want to play in the craft beer um, space. His uh, business is based on the rebates or the contracts or the the, the big brewery support. Um, and but people also want a, uh, you know, different, interesting range of beers. CUB aren't venue operators, he obviously is. So it's obviously a partnership like the James Squire Brew Pubs and all of those sorts of things. And, you know, there's part of you that wants to go, you know, meh um, about it. But the other thing is that these operators um, jumping on the bandwagon show that there is a bandwagon to jump on. And this is where it's so important for independent beer to show...
0: The point of difference that it's got exactly and that really does highlight the the positive side of it that yeah we do have this bandwagon to jump on but it then also highlights the fact that you can kind of sneak in uh you know right on the coattails and it then blurs the i guess the the landscape for other people saying well that was really good i'm going to look out for more of those um and our, our anonymous correspondent um did you know, in the at the end of the um thing, if I can just read on, you know, when do we call bullshit? The industry is no longer black and white, there is a hell of a lot of grey. For example, there's another venue in Perth calling itself a brewery when all the beer is brewed on the east coast and shipped over. I know that we're a very small percentage of the market, um, who who even know or care about this, but is it just adding to the problem? How Which much is that? brand positioning? I'm wondering if that's whether that's emu still or Yeah, I don't know. I um we probably I have, have to, to follow up, up yeah follow follow that up and, and and get some clarity on that um just a great example of of playing on people's emotional connection to a brand to distract them from the fact that the money doesn't stay in Australia and i think that's that's the key point for me and and
1: but then again There are a lot of people who don't care. Like, people have quite happily bought Heineken and Bex and Stella, you know, knowing that the money's going overseas, and then they just get upset that it's not brewed overseas um, for for, for their money. And this is the great challenge. Go back to listen to my chat with Pete Brown, um, you know, about his keynote. Um, The great challenge that we've got is that Pirate Life makes great beer. Um, And, you know, if if you've got a venue that people want to drink in and they're drinking good beer, for a lot of people that's enough and it's up to the craft beer industry the independent industry to enunciate if they say that they've got a better product
0: that's it 100% Matt and I'm not you know nobody's suggesting that the non-independent venues should have to have a big sign that says we're not independent but it does mean that the ones that are independent um, the, the the supporter seal and all those sorts of initiatives uh, I think are far more important now uh, for you know for saying for telling our story
1: and if people don't care this place won't flourish if they do care you know we'll we'll, we'll see some of the great little uh, venues um over there uh you know doing equally as well and you know it, it 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 is one of those things that it does create awareness around beer it creates you know it, it, excitement um so don't think that we should have a little walled garden that is independent um craft beer um but it just means that we have a, a, a great challenge. Uh, sorry, not we. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't have the, a... The Royal We. Yeah. I know they, what you mean. The small brewers um, who feel the pressure of these sorts of things have to uh, enunciate what exactly
0: what it is that they uh, they, they
1: offer that's different.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Uh, now, Matt, just to finish off, we do have a five-star review on iTunes, and we now have um, 100 ratings. Does that mean something? Do we now, you know, we got do we get like a little badge? Is it like a frequent fly thing? Are we upgraded from bronze to silver or something now, or...? <laughs>
1: No, Pete, but we'll, we'll have a bit to celebrate. Points, no? we'll, we'll yeah, a let's do that. To so thank you, um, to the 100 people. Hopefully you're all still listening. Yeah, hey, I'm look, not going to name you go all, back.
0: but I will name the 100th, which was Andrew from Brisbane. Um, five-star review. Informative and entertaining. Thanks for creating a great podcast which keeps industry and punters <laughs> informed about the latest happenings in the beer world. I recently discovered Brews News and have binge listened to the 2018 episodes and just starting 2019 now. You guys have a good chemistry and wit, which <laughs> some of your segues Sorry. into adverts and associated comments from each other really make me laugh. Oh, that's good. A perfect accompaniment as I do a few chores in my little hop yard on a Sunday morning. Cheers. Thank you, Andrew from Brisbane. I, I, I think we're going to have to ditch the uh, Settler and Waldorf
1: meme and I think chemistry and wit.
0: Chemistry and wit. <laughs> chemistry, wit, balance and style. Actually, segues
1: I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump on uh, because that's a great beer name. Um If we ever release a beer, chemistry chemistry and wit, wit,
0: and it'll be a um, Belgian, Exactly. uh, See what you did there? We just (laughs) did it again. With (laughs) some uh, lemon myrtle. We do it when we're not even trying.
1: And and Andrew, you can have the first carton of chemistry and wit when when it's ordered. (laughs) Uh, Or if you give us your... I'll tell you what, uh,
0: the fifth ingredient has to be time, doesn't it? T-H-Y-M-E.
1: That was the other beer that I wanted to do back in the the day, create a beer with time.
0: Yeah. But that's it. Yeah, that's sort of uh, gone. That's water under the bridge now. people, you know, CUB have moved on. Most of us wouldn't know what we were talking about there.
1: No. Go back and binge, ooh, around about 2012, 2013, Andrew. And, uh, oh, yeah.
0: and hello hello to Andrew from Brisbane in the future. Now, <laughs> by the time you get to this episode where we name check you and, and say day and everything, you won't believe what's happened. Now, uh, Bolter, of course, have sold. To um, it's <laughs> pirate life. I oh, to, to, to somebody in three years. <laughs> no, Stone years and time. Wood, Stone and Wood have bought Bolter anyway. Anyway, yeah. What do you reckon, Matt? Now, let, let, let's say let's say it takes it takes Andrew a year, right? So let's say end of end of September, Grand Final week in two thousand and twenty. By the time Andrew listens to this, what's changed? Uh, Are we still drinking Nippers? Please tell me we're not still drinking. No, Niefers.
1: no, um, we've made beer clear again. Um, I, I, I I think. There'll be some stonkingly great lagers. Um, they they yep. already are, but there'll be uh, every brew will have a lager. Um, interesting
0: news this week, Matt. That um, no alcohol beer Carlton Zero is now fifty percent of the Australian market.
1: <laughs> Mind you, it's still at three point two million litres because consumption <laughs> has declined.
0: <laughs> That's right. Now it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how um, will, will that bubble burst? We've made with with breaths. breath.
1: I do, I do. I've learned not to predict.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, the um, sad to say, this week, Matt, uh, in two thousand and twenty, that the uh, the fifteenth um, small brewery um, has actually gone under uh, as a result of being sued by Disney for Star Trek uh, <laughs> Star Wars uh, infringements.
1: Hey, mate. Let, let's uh, let, let's. It's been a nice, crisp uh, uh, little podcast. I'll, I'll just before we move on to to the outro, uh, Andrew. Please, if you're listening to this now and binging this currently and not in the future or whenever you get around to this podcast shoot us your um postal address on uh producer at dot and we will get you a bar blade and you are in the running for
0: letter of the week too easy. Thanks again to um, all of our supporters, to malt who have been looking after us since Day dot, to Relling's label stickers and packaging, uh, to Beer Cartel, and also to Unleash Software. Thanks very much for making all of this possible. And again, as I do every week, I reserve my greatest and most sincere thanks to you, our listeners, our audience, for engaging with us. Um, keep letting us know what's going on. Keep responding and keep uh, your thoughts and um, cards and letters coming. Uh, Matt, safe travels. Thank you, Pete. Look forward sure to you having you be with
1: you in Portland in a couple of days' time.
0: That's right. Looking forward to it very much, um, and uh, look to all our listeners too. If you do have any other recommendations, um, remembering that I think we've we've only got about a day and a half uh, together in in Portland, so don't don't throw five hundred of the breweries at us. But um, I've already got a couple on the list that I want to revisit, and uh, a couple that I've teed up to take you out to to visit, um, and then uh, we'll. Record while we're over there, and uh, let everyone know what's going on.
1: Exactly, uh, tete a tete, and maybe with beer in hand on, for one of those rare occasions. Look
0: forward to it. Um, just had a, a realization too. This is going to be the first time. Like the, the 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 amount of time that you and I have spent together in in various locations um, is is you know is broad and um, and, and rich. Yes, <laughs> but we we've never actually flown together. No, we haven't. We have never been on the same plane.
1: Now, do you prefer the aisle
0: or the middle? Mate, I go wherever I'm told. Good man. Good man. Yeah, when, you, when someone <laughs> else is paying the sur- I go. this is a lovely seat, thank you for that.
1: <laughs> because I put us on the, uh, on the aisle in the middle rather than the middle and the window uh, because I figured that that way one of us is asking the other to get out of my way so he can go to the bathroom as opposed
0: to some stranger. That's it. And then both of us having to get up. So anyway. Exactly yeah <laughs> too good so uh, that probably did
1: need to go into the podcast listeners but nah. that's just how we work
0: <laughs>
1: that's where um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the that's where the uh what was it the the chemistry and wit comes from
0: that's it It's all it's all organic uh, and has a very low carbon footprint all thank right thank you listeners thanks, thanks listeners and we'll see you all again next week from the other side of the world